This is Brad. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Uh, you are the youth pastor at Life Discovery, correct? Okay. So Brad is going to share tonight. Um, so I'll, it's all you now. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for having me. I don't know. I was trying to get all your protocol secrets from Brandon, so if I breach the protocol, I can <laughs> We have no protocol here. So I don't think we do. And I'm, I'm reading out of the uh, NASB. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever used that one. You've already so. breached protocol. <laughs> you know, I got it because it looks so sweet. And I said, I, I need to discover if I like this or not. We don't believe in the new American standard. We oh, <laughs> only believe I'm in the NIV. I'm already a rebel. <laughs> well, my, at church we preach out of the NLT, but I'm gonna get to. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so I was telling I was, I was telling Brandon last night that I actually had something totally different planned because I preached on forgiveness this last because uh, I do. Um, we're in the middle of a campaign right now based on discipleship, so I preach I get to preach once a month. And I was preaching on forgiveness, and I thought I had everything kind of planned out and had some cool intros but uh yesterday with all the news that's, that's kind of hitting the headlines i kind of made my ideas feel pretty small um and so god convicted me that it was there was another topic that was more important and <clears throat> if you were to look at any news site right now the headlines are just one after another about the hurricanes and about the Las Vegas shooting, and it's just death after death. What happened in Las Vegas? I don't pay attention to that news. For real? Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a gunman 32 stories up, I think, that opened fire at a music festival, and I think left 58 dead. And 59? 59. 529 injured? Yeah. And that's why I don't pay attention to the news. It's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Mass shooting in the United States history. I look at news as Satan's nationwide broadcast. <laughs> Today, this negative thing happened, followed by this and this and this. Mm -hmm. So exactly. So you know, it's just covered with tragedy, um, and that's not. You know, those headlines don't even include what you guys and I go through in our day-to-day -day life. You know, what what tragedy have you experienced today or in your life? And I think that. A question that God in His grace allows us to ask is, where were you? Where, where is God when tragedy hits? Where is Jesus when 59 people are shot like fish in a barrel? Where was God today? Um, and so I wanted to look at John 11, 1 through 15, and I, I understand that that's a question. Where, where was God when such and such a thing happened? Where was God? That's a question that has probably an infinite amount of answers that we will only know in glory. Downstairs. Say John 11. Yeah, we'll do. John 11. 1 through 15 it will do. I was afraid I was going to break protocol. Again, no protocol. But if it's there to be broken, Bob will probably Well, if you had the day I had and we're dealing with neighbor problems, but Thank you, sir. You're welcome. 
Say thank you, ma'am. Is that would embarrassing. <laughs> You've been called worse. <laughs> thank you, Jesus guy. <laughs> um, so I understand there's an infinite amount of reasons that maybe God looks like He didn't show up at a time like that that we might only really find out in glory. But I think that this is one of the main ones, and I think that it's a reason that the culture doesn't understand and a lot of the times will not accept and I know that because I'm, I'm a Christian and I struggle to accept it and I think that the reason is because he loves us um, and so I just want to read through this and just kind of, I'll give you some thoughts and then hopefully we can discuss it so this is John 11 1 through 15 now a certain man was sick Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he, is, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Then he said, and after that, wait, sorry, this he said, and after that said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go so that we may die with him. So I just want to pray real quick. God, we thank you so much for uh, good fellowship with brothers and sisters. We thank you for truth. We ask that you give us hearts to receive and understand this truth. And we ask that you would not leave us, uh, let us leave today, unless you have made us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, a couple things um, that some of these are kind of my own things that I've learned over time, and some of them are just from reading commentaries and listening to sermons on this, but all good points, I believe. Um, Sky Lazarus was sick, and Mary and Martha were his sisters, and John, it's kind of funny, he says that it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. So he's explaining this to us before that event even happens. And then it continues, you know, it's talking about that Jesus loves him. I mean, he is, he, John is trying to tell us right from the beginning, Jesus loves them. Like, this isn't just a, a kind of flaky love. This is, no, Jesus has an intimate relationship with these people. There is actual, real love and relationship going on here. And so they come, they say, Jesus the one you love is sick. And Jesus answers them, 
this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So, in this, just right off the bat, we hear that Jesus loves these people. And then he immediately answers to the sickness of, it's not about sickness. This tragedy that is going on in your life right now, and before it's even like really as tragic as it's going to get, this thing that's happening in your life right now is not about the thing that's going on. It's not about you. It is about me, and it will always be about me. Um, which is obviously extremely difficult for a human to understand, right? They're coming to him expecting the miraculous, that they clearly know something is going on with Jesus. They, they know by this point that Jesus has the ability to, to save him. And then... This is where it gets just right, just a slap in the face, I think, for, for many people. And, and if you ever tell somebody who doesn't believe, if we were to have non-believers in this room, they would probably want to walk away. It says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. <laughs> I, I preach out of the NLT at my church. I I have a very, I'm just, I could be just a little stuck up here, but if your version does not say, now Jesus loved Martha, blah, blah, or Jesus loved them, therefore, or something along those lines, I've, I've done, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've done enough research to know that it is actually in the original text. If it's not in your translation, they're missing something important. The NLT that I use a lot says something along the lines of, although Jesus loved them, he chose to stay. And that's, that, doesn't even, that doesn't even bring justice to it. Because what he's really, what was really being said here is, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so, because he loved them, he stayed where he was and let Lazarus die. Right? So, now we have to wrestle in our human hearts trying to understand are you serious right now Jesus like are you telling me that your love is going to allow me to experience the person that I care about the most being ripped away from me you're telling me that because you love me you're going to let the most tragic thing that I could ever imagine happen to me And his answer is, of course, yes. So he sits there, and he says, let's go to Judea. And his disciples are talking about, you know, asking all these questions and stuff like that. And he says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples think that he's talking about a nap, but Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 he died. Lazarus is dead, he says in verse 14. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. So we have in verse 4, this sickness is not ended in death, but it's for the glory of God. And we have in verse 14, I rejoice. Really, that's what he's saying. I rejoice. I am excited. I am filled with joy that I decided to let Lazarus die. I am excited with joy 
that I am letting you experience horrific pain so that you may believe. So we have the, the God part. Jesus needs to be glorified in pain, because of pain, in spite of pain. And we have the human response to that glory in this pain. I must see that there is something greater. I must see that Jesus is in control. I must see that Jesus is worth whatever I need to go to in order to see it, right? I've heard by, uh, by people before that the, a good definition of love, biblical love, is doing whatever you need to do or say in order for people to see and enjoy the glory of God as their supreme satisfaction, right? And so Jesus knew that at this point in time. He, he knew that for some reason, these people that he was with, there was only one way for them to experience the fullness of his glory and to be able to find such joy in it, they would fall before him and worship. And that one way was through tragedy. And it's really easy for, for us as, as humans reading it from up here in the air to say, oh yeah, but he was going to be raised in four days, right? So this doesn't really count. He was going to raise him from the dead. But Martha and Mary didn't know that. Martha and Mary were weeping at the tomb of their dead brother. And 59 people had family members weeping over them yesterday, not knowing if or when a resurrection of some sort was going to happen. And many of us have experienced tragedy where we don't know if or when a resurrection of sorts is going to happen. And yet Jesus has us weep and go through pain and tragedy so that we can see his glory. And he says that he rejoices in that fact for our sakes, so that we may believe. And then Thomas said, let us go so that we may die with him. So, all that to say that there are times in our life where we, we, where we have these situations that we're in, and we ask, you know, God, where were you? And a lot of the times, I think the answer is, I love you. You know, that's, that's where I am. I love God. Where were you when my dad died or when my sister had this experience? Or where were you when my friend had this experience? Or where were you yesterday? Or where were you in these hurricanes? Where were, where were you, sovereign God, when all these people were killed? And his answer, a lot of the times, I think, is, well, I, I love you. And I was right here. I was just right here in a capacity that you couldn't understand right now. And I think that that is probably the hardest thing that we could ever try to grasp, is that this loving God would allow tragedy and call it love, if that is what he's calling it. But I know, from, from the context here, I know that Martha and Mary and the disciples, because it's clear here that, that, that they were friends with Lazarus, it's clear here that at this point in time, in tragedy, that they were smacked, just smacked in the face with the wall of eternity. That there is a point in time where they, they were experiencing this tragedy, and they were smacked into a reality that they didn't know existed at that point in time, I think. And that reality is 
there's something bigger than me. And I need to make a choice here. And I think that a lot of us, and I can speak just from my own personal experience, that it is in these tragic times where our belief meets the glory of God. Where, where I'm at a standstill with eternity and I have to decide why did this happen and what am I going to do with it. And as I was preparing for this last night, I was, I was struck dumbfounded um, almost because I'm reading this verse where it says, you know, this is not about you, it's not about the situation, it's about my glory. And, you know, Jesus is pretty much saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes for you to see that glory. And then he says, I'm so, I'm so glad, I, I rejoice that you're feeling this pain because this pain is what it was going to take for you to believe. And as I'm preparing this and I'm reading this, I see an article sharing a video clip from CNN where a guy who is at the concert is being interviewed by this news crew and he says that the bullets were flying and his sister jumped on top of him, was telling him that, that she loves him, He's witnessing all this stuff happening. And his quote was, I walked into that concert an agnostic. And I left that concert a firm believer in God because I cannot fathom any other reason that I should have survived. Hmm. And that obviously is not everybody's story from yesterday. But it made me think. It, it made me put a real life touchable example on what Jesus is saying here. That we, that we have a man here that was scared to death, seeing his life flash before his eyes, seeing other lives leave this planet right before his eyes. And he, in that point in time, is faced with a decision. Is this happening because a God exists, or is this happening because a God does not exist? And it was in that point in time that God's grace and love for him softened his heart to allow him to say, I've been wrong my entire life. Mm-hmm. There is a God, and it is because of that, that God and because of his love for me that I'm able to stand here right now alive and witness to that. And then that news feed, you know, we're not talking about the evening sun. We're talking about CNN. It was blasted probably across the entire globe. Yeah. We have a guy standing firm saying, this tragedy just struck. It's horrible. It sucks. And because of it, I now see the glory of God. <laughs> And I think that that is just amazing. Now, the, 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 the truth of this, I, I think a pain of this, is that Martha and Mary only had to wait four days. How long do we have to wait before we see a resurrection? How long do we have to wait before we get to see the glory of God in that situation? Because it could be 40 years, it could be 60 years, you know, I don't know how old each of us is in this room. I know I can tell you right now that when I was five years old, my dad died. I still don't have an answer to how he died or what happened. I know that my family was never allowed by the police or the morgue to ever see or identify his body. And I know that my four days is going to last until glory. And I have no clue what your stories are and I have no clue how long your four days is going to be, but I know that we serve a God who will one day 
show us the things that we need to see in order to see his glory. And so, though this is something that is extremely hard to understand, I think it's really hard to tell somebody, hey, you experienced this pain possibly because Jesus loves you. I think that's a good way to get a slap in the face. (laughs) But I think that it's a truth that you can't walk away from. It's in the Bible. It's very clear how Jesus is working in this scenario. And I think it's a great God-glorifying answer to why we experience tragedy. So, those are those are my thoughts. That's what I had for tonight. So, what what do we think about that? How do we, how do we take the truth that we read in Scripture and actually live it out? I know Thomas when he said at the end of this verse, "Let us let us go also, so that we can die die with him." I think what he was saying was. Jesus is going back to Judea where these people want to kill him, and uh, we're on an important mission here, so let's just go with him and die if we need to. I think that's what he was talking about. I don't think it was necessarily connected to Lazarus. But something that that Thomas said, something the the way that he said that when I was studying last night made me question myself. When I see people, believe it or not, experience tragedy, Am I willing and able to walk into that tragedy with them, to die with them, so to speak, in order to help them see the glory of God in it? And how do I do that? How do I do that as a Christian? How do you walk up to somebody who just experienced something like that and and love them in a way and, and point to them in the direction of you're loved by an infinite, gracious God in the midst of suffering? How do, you, how do you do that? So, I don't have an answer to that, by the way. It was a rhetorical question, unless you have an idea. But the way, just something about the way that Thomas reacted made me question, like, what do, what do, I, do, what do I do as a Christian? What do, what do these words do for anybody that's experiencing brokenness? Because they're, if they're not a believer, their hearts are not open to this truth. And their hearts see this as ridiculous. So, how do we take this truth? I pulled up the message version on my phone because that's what I kind of like to read that a lot. And it made me think of the story you just told about the guy like that came went in agnostic and came out because verse 14 through 15 says, Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. Mm-hmm. And I like that part because it's like, for believing, like you think you believe, but this is going to be something that's totally going to rock you. So it made me think of that like, this guy didn't believe at all, and now he was given the grounds for that. But I feel like the Holy Spirit had to have done something to him to be able to see that because, like you said, like I can think of a bazillion people that I know that are not Christians that I think if I ever said, Jesus loves you. And that's why you're going through that. <laughs> they would punch me. Yeah. So it's like, I almost feel like it's definitely the Holy Spirit has to work on that also. I mean, obviously we can be used. And when the time is right, I think, we will be used. Yeah. But well, to that point, I think we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when, when we're in those situations. You know, like you said, you're not just going to walk up to someone and... 
you know, but I think there's a time and place for the Holy Spirit to lead you into those moments where you can have those God moments with people. Mm-hmm. I think just simply being present to people when they're going through that yeah. stuff is one of the easiest things you can do. Yeah. You know, expect, you know, they may not know the way that you're, yeah. you have God in you necessarily, right. but like you said, you have Holy Spirit and you, you're listening to Holy Spirit. You may get, you may get something for them. Probably not that, of course, <laughs> they may not be open to that, but I think just be in there and just, you know, having compassion for them, you know, <laughs> And I think that's a good way to build relationships too, mm-hmm. you know, or to help people when they need it most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. As far as being like, sensitive to people, you know, you're right. We wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily go up to somebody right now, that time, and just say, "Oh, Jesus loves you." That, <laughs> you know, right. But you know, we we could have kept reading, and though we might not say those exact words, I think that those times that the the Holy Spirit uses the the way that we love and the way that we're just there mm-hmm. to show them something greater. Yeah. Hopefully, if you are there for them, they know that you're a believer. Hopefully, they they, yeah. they know what your where your faith is. And I just I love you know if we were to keep reading, I love it where Jesus said to her, He's showing up there, weeping at the tomb, and it's in verse twenty three, I think. Your brother will rise again, and Martha said, Yeah, yeah, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Like you know, what's that going to do for us now? And Jesus like. No, no, no! You're not getting it. It's not. It's not about just then. I am the resurrection. It's this is truth right now. You need to see this happening right now. I am the resurrection. The resurrection will happen on the cross. Like everything points to me and what I'm about to do here. You know, um, and so I think in those times, the way that we love and the way that we serve and the way that we are just there, that we're able to point towards. A greater healing than maybe what we're even expecting, you know, right here and right now. And that's why the way that Christians react to stuff like that happened in Las Vegas and stuff is so pivotal in us. Like, are we gonna start condemning? You know, I'm just waiting for someone to be like, oh, well, Las Vegas deserved it because they're Sin City, and you know, <laughs> yeah. like. I'm just waiting. Just like that. I can't believe it hasn't come. It hasn't come to that yet. And it's like that. The way that we react to stuff like that is how we're supposed to be showing the world that we are to be able to point them to the truth. Well, you know that bringing that up. It's interesting because you know Martha and Mary are already. I guess you could say Christian mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. like they, they already know. Mm-hmm. And their response, if you read on, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. So she's like right there, she's already admitting like she knows what can be done. Mm-hmm. She knows Jesus has the power and authority to raise his brother, her brother, but the first thing she does is say, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. So this is a, like, like what you said, it's really important that Christians watch how they react, because 
if Christians are questioning, well, where were you? Why weren't you here? Because if you had have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Like, yeah. we already had the world questioning yeah. why why wasn't God here? Mm-hmm. Here we have Martha, who already knows better, questioning, yeah. why weren't you here? Because that is the biggest, the biggest question I think people have when tragedy strikes. Where's your God? Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think another, another, um, another thing you have to consider is that I don't know that you know it was necessarily God that like allowed Lazarus to die. Because it says that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life and life abundantly. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, in this, at this point, Satan may have been the one to strike Lazarus, but then Jesus is the one that's saying, well, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use this. I'm going to use Satan's work against him. And through Satan's work, I'm going to bring glory to, to God. Because he, I mean, he knew, he said it's not unto death, but for the glory of God, so right. that he can be glorified. So he knew that's what was going to, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what was, you know, going to happen. But, like Brad said, like, he can write it down. Um, he was overjoyed to let them experience the tragedy so that mm-hmm. they could could see what that looked like. All the way to the end. Haven't they already seen him heal the sick and like everything like that? And just he like him going there and healing Lazarus before he died would just be like another another day for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> him going in there and resurrecting Lazarus after him being in there for four days. Yeah. That's more miraculous and more like puts more of a belief in you than, um, he's sick, be healed, I don't know how he's healed, okay, let's go on with her, <laughs> dang, and I, I think it's, like, I'm just thinking, like you said about your dad, like, you know, one day, but it might not ever be on the side of it, right. and, like, you think about all the things that you experience, and, like, it just, miraculous part is what you get out of that like longing to know or longing to have answers or whatever whatever the case may be like that's where the miracle takes place is in that process of like learning that and mm-hmm. letting God be what it is that you need him to be to get through that I think sorry what's your name again? Kayla Kayla what you just said, I think, is exactly what Jesus implies. When, when you point out, like, Martha's like, if you would have been here, you, you could have saved him. Mm-hmm. We're so attached to the here now. We're so attached to where's God now. And I think that, what I think that I need mm-hmm. him most. And I think Jesus' implied answer is, if I would have been there, 
you wouldn't have seen this. Right. Like you would have gotten your brother back for another how many years before he died again, and you would have experienced another miracle. Which, by the way, not really anything to do with this necessarily. But how, like Jesus loved them so much that not only did he let Lazarus die, but he ripped Lazarus from glory to bring him back to the broken world so that they could see what Jesus came to do. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So that is just that blows my yeah. mind. Poor Lazarus was ripped yep. from the <laughs> But I mean, but that's what Jesus is implying in his answer. Like if I if I was here when this happened four days ago, you wouldn't have seen this. You wouldn't have seen the resurrection. You wouldn't have seen my plan for redemption. You wouldn't have been filled with hope. You would have been filled with the your bones aching until he died again. I mean, that's what you have been waiting for. But now you get to see the hope that I bring. You get to see the fix that I have to the problem. And it's it's not necessarily in the way that you think that it should be fixed. Mm-hmm. And when you should you think that it should be fixed. Yeah, I always think about, I know in comparison to things that are going on, this isn't like a tragedy. But it was a tragedy for me when I was going through it when I was sick. Like, you know, I prayed to be healed every single day. Why can't this happen right now? Right now. But I learned so much stuff through the process that I know I never would have learned had I not gone through it. And that's what I think of all the time. Like, God was allowing allowing me, really, which is a privilege now that I am okay, but, like, allowing me to learn these things because otherwise I wouldn't have learned that stuff. So I try, like, every time I feel like I have the tragedy going on, I think that's kind of an answer to the question I asked earlier. Like, what can we do as Christians? I think as it's hard to see it as grace, but as God's grace allows us to struggle as people who know his glory, I think that helps us understand the brokenness of the human heart for those who are not believers. So, like, for example, this this guy that was on the news saying that he went in there and agnostic, I mean, how broken and sinful does a human have to be that he is in rebellion his entire life against the God who created him and it it takes Jesus grabbing you by the throat slamming you against death itself to say look this is your option (laughs) you've been rebelling against me your whole life you know we get to the point where it takes tragedy and I, I think it's clear in the garden that maybe this wasn't the original intent for creation but but we, we, in our broken state, we've gotten to the point where, where sometimes it just takes tragedy to slam us against eternity for us to kind of finally have our eyes open. Like, there's something bigger than me out here. I'm an ant that could be squashed. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and, and so when we experience that as Christians and we get to experience it as grace, then that helps us under, like help other people understand it as grace and not God's smiting Because yeah. sometimes that, like, like kind of what you just said, like sometimes that's what it's going to take. Because we, for some reason, I don't know. Well, in certain situations too, it's because we don't want to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do everything we can to avoid that. Yeah. We do everything we can to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Pictures of sin by itself. And then going to church afterward? Oh, no. Don't sit near me. I always think, too, like, and I know this is, and we've talked about this all the time, you guys are going to think that I'm crazy, but, like, when I think about heaven and, like, being in heaven, like, I get so excited about it, and it's like, this is not, like, even if he died, like, that's not the end. Like, having that mindset of this is, what's that song? I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. He really doesn't like that song. But I think about that, and it's like when you said about how he ripped Lazarus from glory and brought him back. (laughs) I've told him, I tell him all the time, if I ever die, you better not resuscitate me. Don't let them resuscitate me. Like, let me go. Because, like, this is not what I'm going for. <laughs> well, you know, Mark Lowry. No, it's not. You know who Mark Lowry is? Christian comedian? Yeah, I've heard his name. I don't know if I know He says, you know, the Bible never says that Lazarus ever died again. He said, I think he might be Bill Gaither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why it would be good to have Paul's mindset when it comes to that though he talks about he's kind of torn between okay it would be nice to get to have be with Jesus mm-hmm. but it's better that I stay here to be with you guys to help you guys out I know that's to teach the part and that to correct I'm... and to encourage and all mm-hmm. that stuff yeah. so it's like it was him, from, him, him, yeah, from his mindset both options are good yeah so, so he just kind of can't probably... really lose either way probably selfish of me to be excited uh, for heaven we don't, like we don't all think that you know because yeah, i mean if all he put us here for is to get to heaven right. then you know he might as well have just taken us straight there yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you're right i just need the scheme of things <laughs> i'm just really looking forward to it <laughs> okay. whereas you know my buddy todd white would say you know, <laughs> if we were just meant to get saved to get to heaven, the minute we got saved, Jesus would take us right there. Yeah, yeah, right. We have we have stuff that we got to do while we're here. That is true. That is true. Your buddy Todd Wade. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was pictured. This is I always pictured like some awesome rock music starting in verse 38 because right before there are those unbelievers that are saying, but some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? And then it just says, so it just began, <laughs> he again began, uh, he became deeply moved with and came to the tomb. And he started saying, remove the stone. And I just think of like this awesome rock music song. <laughs> so sick of the crap. <laughs> Move the stone. <laughs> and as it's moving, you got this like crescendo building. <laughs> it's so funny, like you mentioned that, but still we're like <laughs> into verse 30 something and still Martha's talking about what the stench is going to be like. Yeah, so I was just reading. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what has the, 
like what has to happen I guess eventually when when he's lifted like and she sees it but it's like even then she's kind of still doubting it like yeah. I've heard the King James Version that says for he sticketh <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does the old English. <laughs> shortly after they invented the air freshener. Yeah. It just blows my mind the people who like walked alongside of Jesus and still like doubted. Like they saw all that stuff. And he still doubted stuff that he said. It just blows my mind. Well, I think it too, because they show people even though he, they walked beside him, they still had this doubt in this. Yeah. We're all that way. Yeah. They're human things. So I look at it that way. Because just because they walk on, they still have doubt in this. It's yeah. just human, I guess. I guess that's why we're blessed are the ones who believe and don't see. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess it wouldn't matter, would it? <laughs> but yeah, because you got to think too, we have the advantage of having Holy Spirit living in us well, right. compared to them just seeing it on the outside right. too. So I think that's even, like you said, it's better. He said it's better that I go. Yeah. So I think kind of, you know, part of the thing that might be part of the reason why he says, mm-hmm. bless those who do not see. Right, right. You just have one healer or thousands of thousands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Like I said, when I was in the car and I couldn't go anywhere, I just had to sit there and say, okay, what's going to happen? So a lot of people were saying, well, what did you do? Well, I didn't get, well, I don't get excited about everything anyway. But anyway, (laughs) I just sat there, got my phone out, and I had to clear my head because I guess I did black out and the first thing I was saying, where's my hat? Yeah, that's all she was worried about. I've spent fourteen dollars on my hat. Last time it was on my head. And then I said, women don't have the hat. Now where did it go? And I still didn't find it until yesterday when we went to my car. It was in the back seat. So oh anyway, gosh. so I'm just. They're just sitting there, well, what did you do? I said, well, there's nothing I could do. I just had to sit there and actually take it, you know, mm-hmm. because I know I couldn't jump out in time. Right, right. Because I couldn't go this way any farther, and I couldn't go that way any farther. And he just said, and I wasn't, didn't get upset or nothing, or I don't get upset about anything. Mm-hmm. I just take it. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah, they just said, well, wasn't you scared? No, I really wasn't scared. I it just, was over. They yeah. weren't scared about. I just sat there and well, when the tractor trailer was coming, I wasn't sure. No, I really wasn't scared. I just said, "Yeah, here it comes. I'm gonna get in. <laughs> where I'm gonna go." That's what I said. In you my just head. braced for it. I just said, "Here I go," because I can't go no farther, and I'm gonna get hit the, at the back end of this trailer to the front of my car. And I, She wasn't scared. She wasn't scared. She just had to run to Walmart after her to buy a new pair of pants. But she wasn't I always think, I think we talked about last week or the week before or something. Weren't we talking about like envisioning what goes on in the spiritual world around mm-hmm. us? And yeah. 
Like, I was driving home today from work, and I was thinking, like, I wonder, like, is there somebody sitting in the car? Like, what's going on outside my car? Are they, like, you know, like, carting me off to where I need to go? And, like, I think about that. Like that scene in The Matrix. Re, uh, I don't know if you've seen The Matrix, yeah, but in The Matrix Reloaded, the second one where they're driving down the highway, and there's one guy driving, and then there's like three people fighting all around. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's probably what's going on, mm-hmm. really, yeah. in the spiritual realm. Right. Is like, we're just driving along, and all right. around us, there's they're fists like going, and there's, there's guns going off, and there's <laughs> stuff happening all over the place. And I was just thinking, like, there's a bubble around the car, you know, that keeps you, that keeps you safe when you're going, so... Unless you get you know, a truck and your bubble. Of her not wearing her seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm really? pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm taking off. She's so scared that I hear I'm afraid to get a slice my head and I'll be sitting there bleeding to death. That's what the image I got because I didn't wear my seatbelt. <laughs> That would I wore sure my seatbelt, but like I wasn't bleeding to death, I think. It doesn't seem like don't fit right. Can you move it? <laughs> yeah, no. I cannot move my arm. Can you move yours? No. Not anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> I mean, even mine doesn't go down far enough. Mine sits right here, too. And I just got to get those little thingies. It's little cushions. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Problem. Yes, thank you, Brad. I mean, Brad. 